So uh, welcome back to the Armchair Trader podcast. And um, today we have a um, the first interview with a cash shell. Um, we, we've seen a lot of coverage and we've actually written quite a lot about these on the website over the last year or so. They've created a lot of investor excitement, but we've never had the opportunity to have someone from one of these actually on the podcast. So uh, it's a great pleasure that I can welcome Mike Elwood, who is chairman of a brand new cash sell, um, which is called Net Zero Infrastructure, who's going to be telling us a little bit more about that this morning. So uh, welcome to the podcast, Mike. Uh, thank you, Stuart. And uh, thanks, for, thanks for having me on. So at the time of recording, um, the cash shell Net Zero Infrastructure is about to be listed. Um, people may be uh, listening to this after it, is, it has actually listed. If someone's listening to this and they don't know what a cash shell is or, or what the Americans call it, a special purpose acquisition company or SPAC, can you just give us a, a very quick pricey on on what one of these things is? Yeah, I mean, I guess it starts with um, the basic premise of an idea and an opportunity in a sector. And then money is raised institutionally to set up a company to look for an acquisition in that specific space. So you kind of outline your thoughts and your ideas where the opportunity might be. A board is formed, um, the funding is raised, and then you have a period of time in which to go and find a suitable target that's been uh, articulated within the prospectus. So it's an idea that's backed um, with a with a, a board and a team who investors believe are capable of executing that kind of plan. And a lot of the a lot of the activity in this market um, in the last eighteen months or so has tended to be in Wall Street. Um, we've not seen as many of this kind of vehicle coming onto the market in the UK. Can you can you explain a little bit why that is? Why they're just rarer as opportunities? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not so certain why it's rare. I think it's new and 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 it's actually just being tested in the UK. So people will watch. The, I think our progress very carefully and some of the others very carefully to see how they how they perform. But but the key to to these working, I think, is identifying the right opportunity uh, and executing that as soon as you can. The I guess the other advantage with with a uh, cash shell is unlike um, a company that's already private that wants to go on to the exchange. Um, and does a reverse takeover with, say, a company that's already listed there and already has legacy issues like an outstanding lawsuit or outstanding debt. With a cash shell, we're talking about a much cleaner structure. It's a, it's a listed vehicle. It's got the money to make the acquisitions, but it doesn't have the legacy issues of some other corporate shell which might have just been lingering around on the market. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true, true, Stuart. And it, and it also has the board that I think investors have confidence in to make the acquisition, find the acquisition, and make the acquisition. And it connects, I guess, some of those companies, particularly in the sector that we're looking, that might find it more difficult to access some of the institutional money. They'll find that easier with the with the makeup and type of board that we have, and we should be able to connect both investors and those entrepreneurial businesses looking for growth with the capital that they need to kind of execute their full plan. And then getting on to net zero infrastructure specifically, can you give us uh, some, some idea of the, the sort of um, the sector it's basically aiming to make acquisitions in? Yeah, the sector that, that, that we think there's going to be real opportunity is around clean and renewable energy. But whilst lots of people have been doing the technologies around this, actually, we want to focus on the infrastructure behind it. 
Um, so what might that mean? It, it, it sort of means things like energy parks and hubs that will be needed for different activities to bring power and energy to the grid. It might mean things like battery storage and how we use battery storage and, and facilitate those those parks. So there's a number of different areas I think that we can we can focus on to say, well, the technology's there, but what about the infrastructure to deliver it into the grid, which after all is what is what is needed. And we think with with the government planning towards this and the target of sort of net zero by 2050, that there's a there's a huge momentum in this uh, in this space. So there's opportunity, I think, that we can we can find and help grow and develop. And this is uh, in in this sort of situation where where you're where you have the cash shell. Are you looking to just buy one company that you like in this in this um, energy infrastructure space, or would you envisage doing more than one acquisition? It it could be more, Stuart. It could be more. I think we need to build the capability around the management team. So the first one will be important, um, but I don't think we need to be restricted to one. There will be um, more opportunity, but but obviously when you find the first one, then you kind of reverse into the first one um, and then we'll kind of execute the strategy and plan from there. The UK is obviously, it's considered to be like a global leader um, in this area. It's already sort of set out its shop in terms of its uh, net zero objectives, the government's getting behind it. Um, do you think that then that, that has created a, a lot of potential opportunities or do you think there'll be more coming along later? I mean, is, is it a target rich environment you're already looking at? I believe it's a target rich environment because I think there are lots of younger companies looking at the environment that's been been created, the momentum. You know, we talked about reducing emissions by 78 percent by 2035. So even that 2050 number has been has been brought forward a little bit. Um, so I think there'll be young companies looking to take advantage of that. And therefore, I think for a business like like ours, we will be able to help them connect with the capital that's needed to develop and develop and grow. And can you tell us a little bit more about um, what you've mentioned, energy parks and hubs? What 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 are they in practice? Is this a, is this a new thing that that's going to have to be developed and constructed in order to wire up all the all the sort of clean energy generation technology we're going to be deploying? Um, it it could be, and it could be using what might be already there. Any kind of connections that that might already be close to the grid. How can we kind of use? assets and infrastructure that already already exists and then adapt them for some of the newer energy sources you know such as connect, you know, how do we connect the battery storage to the grid and how do we how do we manage the peaks and flows or is there a way that we can do things around interconnecting the power grid so that that actually peak demand can be managed more smoothly across across the country and you you mentioned battery storage just then as well a battery storage a lot of people uh, think about, say, electric vehicles or something like that. I'm guessing from this, you're really talking about the need. If you think about clean energy, if you think about wind farms, um, they don't run 24-7. When the wind stops, the wind farm stops as well, then the electricity isn't coming. So it's not like a, a traditional coal-fired or oil-fired power station, which can keep that flow 24-7. With battery storage, are we really talking about the need to store that energy when the wind is blowing or the sun is shining so that households, uh, schools, uh, hospitals can ensure that they are getting constant uh, clean energy? 
Yeah, I think that's exactly right, Stuart. And then then there is also the concept that, you know, the more and more people who have got electric vehicles are not using that energy all the time. So this can be a two way thing. This can be actually putting putting energy back into the grid when you're not using it. Um, a concept that we may not be used to, but actually thinking about energy is a, is a commodity that we have throughout the day. We use it intermittently. Um, and when you're not, it may well be that it can go back into the grid. So battery storage, I think, will become a, a really important part of how we live our lives in the next in the next few years and decades. You're also looking at the carbon capture space, which is a, is a very seems to be a very new area of technology. I've read about some projects which are being designed to see if they can actually help to take carbon out of the atmosphere. So rather than just reducing emissions, we're talking here about also taking out the existing carbon as well. Can you tell us a little bit more about that sector? Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it, it's as you've described it, it's kind of, you know, it's, it's looking at the at the problem, I guess, from different angles and saying, well, how can we manage that release of emissions? And, and again, the technology that exists, but what is the infrastructure that goes behind that? And is there is there infrastructure that will be suitable for our purpose as the technologies develop? And I'm sure there will be because, you know, it's a huge crisis and a huge problem that we face, and there won't be one solution to this. This is going to be a number of different areas coming together to provide that mitigation that we that we need. And that's why when you ask about one acquisition or or more, I, I kind of see, I think there'll be more because I think this will develop into a company that's providing infrastructure across all of these technologies um, and allowing us to to take control of kind of this this climate crisis that we face. So in a way, it's not it's you're not actually going to be necessarily looking for companies that are in the actual energy generation or the actual carbon capture directly direct activity here. We're really talking about companies that are building the connectivity between all this so that at the end of the day, it's all going to work properly. It's all going to be properly wired up and the power is actually going to be delivered. Yeah, that, that's the view, Stuart. It, it is about how do we how do we manage those flows? How do we provide the kind of plumbing and pipework for the those flows and te- new technologies to be um, to be most effective? Some people would say, "Oh, yeah, but that's a bit more that's boring." But and, and the the wind the wind farms are getting all the all the uh, you know the publicity and the exposure. But really, you need this, you need these companies to actually make it all work at the end of the day. I think so, and I think there's I think there's a lot of growth in this area, and you know, hence the strategy and the plan. But I think that's right. I think I think there'll be more and more technology development, and every time that happens, they need to find a way to get that that energy to the grid and to and to the market. Uh, and we'll be looking about how do we how do we provide the solution for that. When a a cash shell um, comes onto the market, it, it, it ultimately it is just a company with cash in it. There are no employees. Or anything like that in terms of it's not like a conventional company so there has to be a lot of focus on the actual people behind it and and who they are and at the end of the day that's that's the first thing a lot of investors will look at can you give us a, a summary of of um who's involved with this cash shell and and what their expertise is yeah so um so we have um, Brian Basham, who, who who I think a lot of the a lot of the people in the market will know. Brian brings a lot of experience to the board to help us kind of navigate the the, the, the city areas. I think Brian brings a huge amount to the board. The guy called Alejandro Sirios, who um, I work with at Santander, he's done an awful lot of work in the renewable energy space. Now with Sustainable 
uh, development capital, but he's had many, many years experience. And he brings not only a UK view to this, but also a European view. Um, so I think he brings a lot of the technical expertise to the board. I'm a career corporate banker, been involved around mergers and acquisitions for, for most of that career. Um, so kind of, I know my way around transactions. Um, and then um, we have James Walton as well, who kind of gives us the um, the political side of this. And we'll look at kind of how the, the political side of this is developing. So I think initially we've got a good balanced board to execute the plan. But of course, as we make acquisitions and develop, then I'll be looking to ensure that we've got the right spread of skills and mix of skills for the next phase of growth. And that will, of course, be supplemented by who we might acquire and, and the executive that we might bring onto the board as well. So it will be a it will be a developing piece for uh, Stuart, but I think in the early days we've got a very good sound board to get the the plan off the ground. You mentioned James and the political side of it, and and I mean energy has always been a political market, and we've seen the government in particular making a lot of statements, and they're the ones who've actually set out these uh, a lot of these objectives and goals that the UK is now working towards. How? important is having somebody like James on the board um, to to this cash shell and how important do you think it's going to be for this whole sector that you're looking at going forward? Yeah well I think it gives us the insight into how the landscape is developing around the sector from that political side you know commercially I think I think myself and Alejandro have a, a a good grasp of what's happening in, in the financial markets and commercially but you've got to bring the whole picture together and I think James is able to interpret what's happening politically around the space and advise us as to um, you know the next steps that the company should be thinking or making to to make the most of the opportunity. Now the, the, the key bit is trying to make it as interesting as you can with it when you've got nothing much you can say that's the that's that's the challenge. That's a tough bit. And also, even when you talk something, we could talk about hydrogen, for example, uh, but it's hard to really go into great detail on hydrogen fuel if, in the end, you don't actually make an acquisition in hydrogen fuel and you go with a battery play. Yes. Yeah, exactly. And, and one thing I also wanted to ask you was, um, in terms of the geographical focus, is it are you really looking mainly at UK acquisitions here or, or is it further afield as well? Yeah, no, it, it, it is. It is initially UK. I, I believe in focus, Stuart. I think I think you can you can sort of take things too wide and, and give yourselves too much to look at. So I believe in focus. The idea came about by looking at what's happening in the UK and the UK response to climate change. But equally, I, I wouldn't say that rules out something further afield in due course um, if it takes us in that direction and that's why Alejandro has been such a good um, addition to the board because he's UK based he's got a lot of experience in the UK but he does give us that kind of European lens if at some point in the future that's something that we want to consider. And when you when you actually go out into the market once the once the um, the vehicle is listed the next step is um, you go out into the market and you start looking for potential opportunities what sort of criteria are you going to be looking for uh, from potential acquisition targets in this space? I mean, I'm presuming we're looking at privately held companies, but uh, are there any other criteria you've got in terms of, we've mentioned yeah. obviously geographical location, but any other aspects that, that you're interested in? Yeah, so I think management is important, um, Stuart. I think we need to pick some good people up as we make these acquisitions because we're a board at the moment. I think you you know you pointed that earlier. Therefore, we need to make sure that we're getting some good operational management with with the acquisition. Uh, we're looking for a platform that is that is scalable. 
So it's not just something to buy and run. Actually, it needs to have the platform to be able um, to grow. I think we're also looking for some kind of sustainable advantage, which might be geographic or it might be um, in the markets it operates, but something that sets it apart from some of the other companies. And we also want to be able to see the ability to, to generate cash flow and returns in the relatively near term. So this isn't something to fund loss making for a good number of years. It's something we want to be able to see in the near term. So a reasonably tight set of criteria from which to benchmark the opportunities, but not that it kind of restricts us in the in the um, in the types of companies that might be available. So it's not like this is people shouldn't be looking at this as a like a private uh, or a listed private equity um, play where a private equity firm will back something initially loss making but with a view to sort of selling it on much later down the line you're looking for something that's going to actually be able to start making money pretty quickly yeah we, we think it should be we should be able to see how it's going to make money in the relatively near term Stuart. yeah great now the other thing i wanted for again for those who are not familiar with cash shells um obviously well at the time of recording you're you're just about to list um on the london stock exchange can you just uh, talk us through what happens next? So the company gets the t- company gets listed. It's sitting there on the exchange. People will be able to buy shares in it. But then what happens? What happens to it next? Um, once you once you go out there and you start looking at some some decent opportunities. It's ex- it's exactly that that you know we we engage with people to help us find opportunities. And, and when those opportunities arise, then the board will evaluate those. If they if they kind of fit the criteria, we'll go into a due diligence phase um, and then finally into that acquisition phase. And, and you, we would end up reversing into the company that we that we deem fit to acquire, which that will then kind of make its way onto the onto the market. So that's the sequence of events. The key bit at the moment, I think, is to making sure that we look at enough of the opportunity that's around to make sure the first acquisition is the right one for the business at the at the right time. Is there like um, a size beyond which you won't be able to go in terms of the an acquisition target? Because I can see also a situation where the cash shell itself represents an opportunity for a company that's currently privately held and wants to go public to do so more cost effectively than going through the whole rigmarole of um, an IPO. So you could conceivably be looking at something that's actually larger and more valuable than the cash shell itself yeah i i i think i think it's very likely that 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 will be true but i don't see this been a been a really large uh, acquisition in the first instance i see this something is kind of mid mid space in the uk market is probably what where i see the first acquisition being and then once once you find that company and and you acquire it what happens after that so we get into the operational phase then. So so that's when we would have operational management. The board would begin to to work with the operational management on that particular business, um, and it would then be, I think, sort of reassessing where does it where does it fit? Why why did the shareholders want to become part of our acquisition vehicle? What's their vision for the future, and how do we execute how do we execute that? So I think that will be the first part of it. But as you alluded to earlier on. There is then a piece around. Okay, so this is we've made this acquisition now. Actually, what is the what is the future? Oh, what's the opportunity for the future with the platform that we've now been able to acquire? What more can we do with this? And part of that will be management's view of of, of the plan that they have, and part of that will be the board kind of 
giving a broader vision and perhaps a larger vision to the vehicle to say, you know, the, here's here's where the market's headed. Here are some of the other things we could do. And it fits pretty well with with where we are. So that's when the real work begins, Stuart, I think. And from the perspective of if someone's listening to this podcast and they're actually in that space already and they already have a company and may already be making money, what's the incentive for them if they're privately held to be acquired by a cash shell and become a become a publicly traded company or part of a publicly traded company? So so one of the one of the key the key reasons for this was to give some access to different levels of capital that might be available to to smaller private businesses and to bridge that gap and to allow them to kind of develop and grow perhaps at a faster rate than they would have been able to otherwise. So they may have a smaller shareholding in their company, but but actually they've got access to capital to enable them to grow more quickly. Um, and I think that's where the fit between what the board's looking for and what the management and owners of the company are looking for will be critical to piece together. And that will be part of the board evaluation. This, this sector is also one that is likely to get and already receives, I believe, some level of government subsidies, potentially tax breaks in the future as well. Because at the end of the day, the government needs this part of the energy industry to get up and running really quickly. So you're looking at an area of, of, of the economy that is going to get prioritised and, and, and very quickly, if not already. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I think I think it's undoubtedly going to be a, a sector that gets some stimulus to, to, to get it moving because it's so important to, to all of us. And I think that's why the infrastructure around it was something that looked attractive to us, because as the technology that I expect to get more of the incentive, as that as that market kind of increases and grows and develops, then the infrastructure is going to be hugely important. So I see as being able to to ride the momentum of of the development in technology to provide the infrastructure to to allow the whole thing to become effective. Well, that's fantastic. And and obviously you're about to to list imminently on the London Stock Exchange. Uh, what's the what's the um, stock market ticker that you're going to be listing under? It'd be NZI. NZI. NZI infrastructure. Thank you very much indeed for that, Mike. That's been really. Really interesting, and we'll be uh, obviously keeping a much closer eye on on its progress um, as it gets listed and moves forward. And uh, any readers can can check up on that um, on the armchairtrader.com on a regular basis. Many thanks, Stuart. Thank you for having me on. You've been listening to the Armchair Trader podcast. Make sure you visit our website www.thearmchairtrader.com for your daily dose of financial markets news and sign up to our free newsletter there.